0: Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. So welcome to the Website Coach Podcast. On the show this week, I am interviewing one of the, well, wisest women I know. Emma Jeffries, otherwise known as Action Woman, is a coach, NLP practitioner, and emotional intelligence intelligence expert, that's quite a mouthful, Um, who loves to help people get out of their own way in life and in business. And I don't know about you listeners, but I know I often get in my own way. So I think this episode is going to be really helpful for all of us. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much. And first of all, can you tell us a bit more about your business and what it is that you actually do?
1: Absolutely. So I set up Action Woman, which is my coaching practice, about eight years ago now. Um, and I set it up after 20 years of working in advertising. So a bit of a, a bit of a change for me. So I was um, a, a strategist in, in kind of big ad agencies for years. And I adored solving problems for brands. I really loved the work that I did, understanding kind of how consumers buy, for example. Um, but as, as often happens in life, life throws curveballs. And um, my first daughter was stillborn. And after that, I think my perspective on everything changed. Um, it, I think post-traumatic growth is quite common. I feel like a bit of cliche, but I realized that actually I had the skills to be able to help people as much as I'd help those brands. So I retrained as a coach really with a, a strongly reaffirmed belief, I guess, that we only get one chance. do this and it life is just too precious and too short to sit around and worry about all these things that might happen we have to get out there and grab it with
0: both hands so that's really what I do (laughs) I was gonna say why why coaching specifically
1: I think um as as you might imagine I spent a lot of time in a counselling space um as a client and so I when I started thinking about helping people I did look at the counselling route but I think what I loved about coaching counselling um looks backwards and unravels things that have happened in the past and actually there's a really exciting energy about coaching because it's about possibility and about the future and i like to call it living life in neon so we've all got a, a choice to to live life and just kind of see where it takes us and not take control of it and that's fine but for me that's living life in black and white so really opening your eyes and and understanding what it is that you want and then going for it feels like a more a more colourful and fruitful way to live for
0: me uh, definitely. And uh, this is a podcast, so nobody can see your beautiful, bright neon nails on, on here. But I know that you very much practice what you what you preach in that in that sense. Um, and can we talk about some of the specific challenges that you help people with? Yeah, I think that's one of the wonders of
1: coaching is that um, I never know what's going to sort of walk through the door or into the Zoom room, because I work with people on all sorts of different things. So Imposter syndrome is one that many people will identify with, I'm sure. Um, Lack of confidence, self-esteem. Sometimes um, it's big decisions, so big life decisions. Um, I've helped people move countries, for example, in terms of making those decisions. I've helped people move career, change career, get promoted. Uh, It might be someone who's got stuck in their business and doesn't know how to move forward. So generally it's people who recognize that they're in a place that they don't want to stay anymore so uh, i think getting getting the stuck unstuck is probably the easiest way of doing it but such variety and that's what makes it magical really to work with clients on such a wide range of
0: things yeah absolutely i think that's a great way of putting it and i know one of the things that you help people with and with a lot of when i talk to small business owners one of the things which i think is possibly The number one issue is overwhelm because we are wearing so many different hats. We don't necessarily want to wear all of those hats, but we feel that we're at the stage where we can't give that hat to somebody else. We can't outsource. We can't delegate. It's things that we have to do in our business. And so a lot of small business owners suffer with overwhelm and indeed procrastination, which often comes with overwhelm. I know that doesn't sound as if the two should come together. (laughs) I've got so much to do that I'm going to put off doing any of them. But that's very much the the case. Um, so can you give us some some tips for, for dealing with or for reducing overwhelm and overcoming procrastination?
1: Absolutely. I think overwhelm's really interesting because it's such an an internalized feeling. It's that whole you can't I always use the, the phrase spaghetti brain, you can't really see where there's just a great big mass of spaghetti in there, you can't really understand where one strand begins and another one ends. And so my, my absolute top tip with overwhelm is to get it out of your head. So take a big piece of paper and write down everything that you are carrying in there so that you can see it clearly. Because often what happens is the minute you write it down, you can see that perhaps some things aren't as complicated as they felt when they were in your head or that you can bunch things together. Maybe you can ditch things. Maybe you could delegate things. So actually just being able to see it external. Like sternly in front of you is is a really good um, thing to do, and that's why um, I work with something called the Action Planning System. It was a system I devised for my clients because it's about not only understanding, I'm sure for most small businesses, the huge list of things that you've got to do, but actually looking at when you're going to do them. So when you've got an actual plan on a piece of paper that says, "Yes, I know there's you know a thousand tasks to do, but I can see that by Friday I'd have cleared fifty percent of them." you feel in control and it feels like you're kind of running your life. It's not running you. So pen and paper is often, I think, your best friend. The other thing I think about overwhelm, and I bang on about this, it's the NLP practitioner in me, but is language that actually often we just, we have created language around this that isn't helpful. So um, I can think of a school mom who used to tell me every week that she was so stressed until um, I challenged her on it and asked her if she could be busy without being stressed. And it's really interesting that you could have a really super busy week with loads of things to get done and it could feel really good energetically and just productive. But the minute you link that to the word stress, you've got such a busy week, it's going to be so stressful, you've kind of created your own reality. So watching your language, I think, when you're feeling overwhelmed is really important. And procrastination, you made me laugh then. It's so true, isn't it? It's when, you, when you're feeling like there's too much today, you sit back and think, well, I'll do nothing. Um, but actually... Procrastination tends to happen for three reasons. One is because it's a boring task. The second is it feels too big. So you don't even know where to start. And the third is that you kind of can't connect with a sense of motivation. You can't really be bothered. And I think, you know, boredom, I it's, it's an obvious one, but we have music, we have podcasts, we have films, you know, do something that can add a bit of fun back into whatever that tedious uh, thinking about the tax return at a particular moment in time. Um, how can you kind of up the fun factor? I was
0: saying I listen to podcasts when I'm doing my ironing.
1: <laughs> exactly that. I mean, who wants to do ironing? But if it needs to, I don't iron, so don't get me started on. <laughs> I think that from my that's on my not to do list. Um, if it feels too big, then it, again, sounds obvious, but chunk it down. You know, too many people procrastinate on something because the task is too big. So redecorating bathroom is huge. But actually driving to home base to pick up paint samples is a task that you could tick off. So actually, how could you break it down to the very first step that you could take towards that, that end goal? And the motivation thing, I think, is for me the most powerful. If I'm putting off, I don't know, sorting out my wardrobe and you know selling clothes that no longer fit or I don't like, and, and actually it just feels like a dreadful task, it's because I'm focused on the short-term pain. If I think about what the long-term gain is of actually enjoying getting dressed in the morning, not being able to, you know, not scrubbing around trying to find something and also making money out of the stuff I sell on vintage to then buy myself something new, suddenly I can get excited about it because I've focused on the long-term gain that will give me the motivation to push through the boring bit. So yeah, those are three things that I'd look at procrastination.
0: Honestly, I particularly like that one about motivation because... It's true, isn't it? Often we sit there with a long list of tasks and we can't see beyond that task. We can't see the ultimate benefit. And that task is usually on our list for a reason. Um, and it is to, and, and if it's not on there for a reason, obviously it shouldn't be on there in the first place. But it is to grow our businesses or it is to help our families and those kinds of things. And I guess if you can see that long-term benefit, then you're going to be much more motivated to do that. Absolutely. And I do you know I was... I always remember a
1: client who kept putting off organizing photographs, like proper printed photographs, not our digital phones that we carry around with us now, but into albums. And she put it off and she put it off until she had this moment where she realized that one day she wants to sit with you know, her children's children and go through those stories with them. And I thought that was such a massively powerful, you see how painful that job is. And she had done in about three weeks because she'd connected with that big why. So, yeah, in life or business, I think connecting with that inner inner why is really important.
0: Yeah, I, I, definitely, uh, definitely see see that case. Um, can we come on to talking a bit about your your business now? Because I hadn't realized actually you've been doing this for as long as twelve years. Certainly longer than I've been in business. But and and with your advertising background in particular how do you get clients How do clients find you yeah so talking to a marketing guru right now i'm feeling
1: slightly like the imposter syndrome is is creeping in here but um mainly word of mouth and i you know for me i think word of mouth is the most powerful tool um in my business armory and funny enough it's a weird one because i don't have that much control over it but when you um when i retrained i did 80 pro bono hours as part of that qualification and that's a lot of coaching hours so what was good for me was the wheel started turning people were kind of talking about me to friends and family and so that slowly started um to build up but alongside that I think getting out there so talks workshops networking for me I think um coaching is a it's a funny business in that it's based so much on rapport and trust that people have to see you they've got to get a real sense for who you are and your values and whether they're going to kind of click with you and be able to work with you. Um, So I think doing that is important. And in a way, actually, Instagram mirrors that for me as well. I think my Instagram presence is about that. It's about that rapport and trust and people getting a sense of of how I work. And sometimes I'll get a DM saying, I've been following you for years and it's time. The time is now to work together, Um, which is always great. But maybe the messages I like even more than that are, I'll occasionally get a message where someone will say, um, you posted something last week. It gave me the courage to go for a massive job I never thought I'd got, I'd get, and I've got it.
0: Oh. Uh, it's amazing
1: because A, it means that, you know, the algorithm hasn't beaten me. The message got to the right person. But also I always think that person may never work with me one-to-one. But I bet if someone was looking for a coach, they would refer me because I've been a part of their journey, even though it's been slightly behind the scenes and without me even realising it. So, yeah, Instagram is definitely a good place for me to show people kind of who I am and how I do things.
0: I think social media networks can be very good at just expanding that network that you've got because I know I think we've only ever met once and that was very, very briefly. And I've done a couple of your workshops, particularly when they were organised um, through uh, Silka's group, yeah. uh, the Raise Up Business Club. But they've been quite sporadic over the years. And the fact that I follow you on Instagram and you do come up on my feed, so the algorithm algorithm is working in some sense, um, it, it keeps you top of mind. It keeps you very visible so that it may be that somebody doesn't need you straight away, but actually ultimately when they do, then you're an obvious choice. And certainly that's how I work as well. I look at my Instagram profile as being very much an extension of my normal network. And I don't necessarily, I do get people find me on Instagram, but it's more a case of people who I've come across either in real life or in groups and got to know a little bit can then continue to follow you through those social networks. And they're much maligned, but I think there is some good that can come out of them for business.
1: Absolutely. And I think it also depends how you use them, I think. So I have a a really strong belief that Best way for me to market is to serve, not sell. So, for example, if I saw someone on a social media channel struggling, I would always offer a way forward for them. So, try to offer them a kind of coached approach rather than say, "Hey, I'm a coach. Come work with me." You know, I think that again, the best way for me to market myself is just to show people what it is that I do, and that always comes back. You know, by bucket loads. Uh, by the bucket load to me so yeah I think again it's about your approach how do you see it? it is not a shop window for me it's all about
0: yeah and I think people do look at it certainly the way I see it people look at it as being a place to sell and they complain about not getting seen by the algorithm but actually if you take a different approach which is to show what you do and help people then that's the kind of content people want to see. Nobody wants to just see an endless billboard of, of adverts because they're just not going to continue looking at it. Um, whereas if you can show how you help and if you can inspire and educate people, which you've certainly very much do on your Instagram, we'll, we'll talk about links um, in, a, in a short while as to where people can find you, but that, that really people are going to seek out those posts and they're going to continue to, to read them and follow you on stories, etc.
1: Yeah, and as someone said the other day, uh, it was a really lovely comment, actually. She said, whenever she has a friend who's going through a difficult time, she goes to my Instagram, she scans down to find the right thing to send them. I thought that was so lovely. I said it's like a personal library of kind of things to send. But again, when we're, I think it's another challenge for small business owners, isn't it? Time posting on social media is time away from your core business. And sometimes it's hard to know if we're getting it right or not. So I think a lot of these kind of anecdotes show that, you know, if you're getting good feedback. From a small number of engaged followers, then we're doing we're doing an all right job.
0: Yes, absolutely, and we don't need lots and lots of followers to do a good job. When we think about how many people we can, you know, it's slightly different if you're Amazon or Marks and Spencers or somebody like that. But for most small business owners, you don't need a thousand clients in a year. You need maybe fifty or hundred clients. And so, when you actually having a small engaged group of people that that you uh, follow each other on social media is much better than actually trying to, to reach the masses with bland uh, content, which doesn't really serve anybody.
1: And, and uh, do you think we've got, it's funny how numbers have become a bit strange to me in that I hear people sometimes say, oh, I've only got 1500 followers or something. And I got I don't know where I'm at now. Mine stayed static for a long time. So let's say I'm just under two and a half, I think. That's two and a half thousand people I get to talk to. Yeah, who listening? Like, it blows my mind that people will be negative about small,
0: like, followings. It's incredible. And when you think what you would pay to stand in front of that kind of number of people on a stage somewhere, um, yeah. and and talk to them and present what you what you have, you know, it's a lot of people. Like you say, yeah, I think we all need a bit of a reality check sometimes. with How <laughs> we see those numbers? <laughs> Definitely. And what about other forms of party? You talked about networking. Can we, can we talk about that? Because we're actually both talking at the same networking event, um, which may have actually happened by the time this episode comes out. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but can you talk a little bit about networking? Because that is something I actually now like networking, but it's something which a lot of people are, that, that they don't like. They're quite afraid of going into that, that networking room.
1: And again, I think that's interesting, isn't it? It depends how you walk in. I think if I thought I had to walk into a networking space to sell myself, I wouldn't even get through the door. But I really like people and I really like, I'm really curious about people's stories and their journeys. And I I go in definitely with a sense of, I wonder who I'll meet. Like I think our sense of curiosity can be massively powerful in getting us to do things that maybe fit outside of our comfort zone. So I think... See, so, yeah, for me, it's definitely connect with other humans, real people with real stories and real challenges and just see where things go. But it comes back to something again that people talk about. If you've got a set plan, do you have a plan about how you market your business or you or, you know, you grow your business? And I'm much more of a just keep an open mind because some of my most wonderful opportunities have come through conversations that if I'd gone in with a closed mindset or no, this is how I'm growing my business. I would have missed it. I mean, I ended up being O2 Priorities well-being coach during lockdown. Oh, wow. For me, is totally random, but it came through um, going into a conversation with a very open mind and spotting an opportunity at a networking event. So, yeah, I'd say a sense of wonder can be really helpful for, for networking. You know, who knows what will happen and who you'll meet.
0: Definitely. And the other thing which I think is a very underrated skill is listening. So if you can listen to people's stories, then it, it, that really helps them and that really does build that bond. And who knows where it can go from there.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting. Is I love watching when you see people start collaborating and you may have been at that networking event and seen them talking and you just think, you know, there is real magic in, in
0: watching those collaborations unfold. Definitely. And I've certainly had situations where I've spoken to somebody at a networking event and I've thought, especially perhaps when I walked away, I thought, you know, that's a lovely conversation, but that, you know, that person is never going to become a client or there's no value in that. And then a month later, they will send me an email and they'll become a client or they will recommend me to somebody. And you just never know where those conversations are going to take you. I think like you say, a sense of curiosity is is an amazing skill to have. Yeah.
1: And also seeing that, you know, running your own business is is lonely sometimes. And I think that's the other thing is walking alongside other people. You know, for me, it's definitely not about necessarily thinking people become clients, but they might be an ally that, you know, can help me unpick a problem that I've been facing or or offer me tips because they are a bit further ahead of me and have kind of walked that road and, and made those mistakes. So, yeah, I think the mentoring potential of networking as well is huge and maybe sometimes a bit untapped.
0: Definitely. And I've made some great business friends through networking. And I think especially, you know, coming out of lockdown and lockdown does seem a bit of a distant memory now. But <laughs> I think people are very zoomed out. So there is something about in real life meeting people again, which is amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah,
1: I'm glad we're back to that. I think um, I think that energy has been massively missed and yeah, I can't wait to get back into it. Re- in fact, that will be my it'll be first time back in a, a big networking event, I think, when we speak.
0: No, I yeah, I've been to a few. And certainly this year I'm determined to get out there and get to more in real life events. Um it's, it's especially during the winter, it can be quite hard sometimes on an evening to to I, I said I will go to this. Do I really want to go? It's pouring with rain and it's pitch black and it's dark and it's nice and warm inside. But it's uh we're talking we're having this conversation in May. It's the <laughs> sun is shining, so it's definitely in the summer it's a little easier to do, I think anyway. Definitely. And what it Talking about your business, what excites you about the future of your business? I think one of the
1: things I wrestle with, and I still haven't solved it, is I love helping people and I love working with people, but it's quite hard when you're a time-based business to scale that. So um, I'm excited about looking at ways that I can help more people when it's just me, and you know, and there's only so many hours in a day. So. Um, I'm doing lots of writing at the moment. Uh, I've been doing lots more kind of group programs and, and training big groups of people. So I think for me, that's that's what I get really excited about is I love what I do and I love working one-to-one, um, but that will always have a, its limits in terms of the number of people I can kind of, I can help at any one time. So yeah, it, uh, it doesn't keep me awake at night, but I don't know the answer yet, which in fact, curiosity is a good place to be, but that's kind of, yeah, what excites me about moving forward.
0: That sounds very exciting, and I know one of the things that you have been doing is working with larger corporates. How do you how do you get work with larger corporates?
1: Again, um, back to networking. I guess lots of it um, is contacts from um, previous career and word of mouth. Uh, meeting people at events. So that's, a lot of it is kind of networked. Um, sometimes cold approaches. If I've got a particularly good idea about how I can help, I can see a problem that I can help um, solve. Um, But I always think it's interesting with corporates. They're quite hard to get into. But once you're in, they tend to be quite loyal. And obviously, if they're a big organization, there can be quite a lot of work there. I avoided it for years. I got hung up on the word corporate. I was like, oh, no, I don't do corporate anymore. And then you kind of have this epiphany where you realize they're just people (laughs) with a title uh, working for a big brand. Um, So, again, lockdown was a good... um, That's where a lot of the work was during lockdown i think as as kind of individuals struggled with homeschooling and and trying to kind of keep their own businesses going um it was the corporates really that were investing in people's well-being um so that's where it started
0: i think certainly since my days of working in corporate and i left 11 years ago now um there is much more of a focus on well-being there was a little it was starting to change before i left but it was in the in the sense of giving people gym memberships and those kind of things as a corporate perk but i think now in terms of mental well-being of, of people there is definitely more coming out of, of corporates and I, w- I was talking to a, a, a client of mine the other day who's just got her first corporate job and I asked her how she got it and she said I just talk to anybody and I tell everybody what I do and that, and that was how she got it which I thought was a, a fantastic approach
1: and you know that's that absolutely plays to um, one of my favorite I guess I guess it is a, a marketing tip in a way which is co- uh, collect the nose. You know, a lot what people tend to do, particularly if they're looking for a job or talking about kind of promoting their business is they have this thing where I want people to say yes to me. And if you want people, if you're looking for the person that's going to say yes to you, you're probably going to stay quite small because there's only a few people that will say yes. And that's a fact because it's a numbers game, isn't it? If people I won't be the right coach for and lots of people won't need a coach right now. But if I can go out there and collect the nose, um, hopefully polite no's um from as many people as possible then one day I will be on the radar of someone who does need me and I am the right coach for and it's really interesting because it totally changes the game when I have um clients who are looking for a job we play this and I love getting a whatsapp you know message saying oh God, that's the game we've made it and actually the right job will come you know it's good it's good to be turned down and it's good for things not to fix it probably wasn't for you but it stops that fear of rejection which often Gets in our way, so yeah. See how many knows you can get, and I bet you the business grows.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because I often come across people who will say to me that they will, in, for example, invest in a website and invest in in marketing their business once they're successful, because <laughs> they they don't want that rejection. They don't want people necessarily asking about their business until it's successful. And I know, to be honest, when I started out, I was a little bit like that. I didn't want to necessarily talk to my old colleagues about my business because they would judge me so it it, often it is people are fearful of that judgment and it's when I'm successful then I will let everybody know but Mm. I think the best way certainly when you're starting out to market your business is literally to tell as many people as possible and even if they aren't going to buy from you is ask them if they know anybody who might be interested in that service. Absolutely and You said something there, which just made me think, I think that's another thing that really gets in
1: people's ways, which is what, what is success? How will you know when your business is successful? Because a lot of people rely on a a number, an arbitrary number, usually of amount of money they've made. And that can really keep you small for a long time. In fact, I had a conversation with someone this morning where we were were going to take money out of the equation of success for her, because actually she can feel proud now and go out there and chat about it and talk about it and she's measuring the success by different criteria that money will come but she was stuck because she was like well well, I can't I can't really say it's successful until I hit a number in the bank which is crazy Mm. knows that number and no one knows if it's in there or not if it's it's an odd way to think about success I think when we're measuring our own
0: our own business and it's different for different people we've all got our own criteria of what success is and Certainly, I'm seeing more and more people valuing freedom and the ability to do to work doing the kind of work that they want when they want, largely, maybe not all the time, but largely when they want rather than than necessarily a number being a measure of success
1: yeah, and I think that's if, if people haven't done it, then that's a really good exercise, which is to write down your own definition of success because that then drives some of the decisions you make. I know the minute I took um. For a while, I tried to match my London salary and I was like, why am I doing that? And then actually when I took that out and I replaced it with being at the school gates 90% of the time, it was really interesting what shifted because I can feel very successful in a school hour day now because that's part of my success criteria. And it also means I turned down some work, uh, some corporate work, for example, because it takes my 90% down to 70% and that doesn't feel okay right now yeah. for me. So it's a good exercise to do. We borrow otherwise. We just borrow society's definition of success, which says title, status, cash, car, holidays.
0: Yeah, although the holidays are quite nice. They're staying in my success. (laughs) Yeah, mine too. (laughs) Um, That's fantastic. I've got some final questions to ask you, but before I do so, can you let people know where they can find you, your website and your social media?
1: And so my website is simple because it's actionwoman.co.uk. Um, and on there, it's also a list of the masterclasses. I know you mentioned you've been to some of them. So the kind of workshops and, and offerings are all on there. And then on Instagram, annoyingly, Action Woman was well, not available. Clearly, there is a superhero out there who got that instead of me. Um, I had met Action Woman uh, three underscore, uh, Action three underscores woman um, I think it's my face in the profile picture,
0: so hopefully, uh, yeah. And I will put I will put those links in the show notes anyway. Perfect. So to end, three quick questions. First of all, um, any other podcasts that you can recommend? So this isn't business
1: related, but I lo- absolutely love Best Friend Therapy. Can you listen to
0: it? No, but great. It's got Elizabeth Day, who I love. Oh, um, I do love her as well. I love her own podcast actually.
1: Yeah, so it's her with her best friend, Emma Reed Turrell. And um, Emma is a psychotherapist. And so it is taking kind of real-life challenges, chatting it through with your best mate, but done through a psychotherapy um, lens. And it's fab. It's really, really good. So I really recommend
0: that. Excellent. Now, I do like Elizabeth Day. So, yeah, that does sound good. And secondly, a business book that you can recommend. That is such
1: a tricky one. I'm going to have to say Anything by Brene Brown, I think. I think um, every book of hers I've read has been nothing short of life changing. I, I'm going to say Dare to Lead because I trained in that work over lockdown. So yeah, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, I think. Partly because I think the, the superpowers of vulnerability and wholeheartedness we are seeing they already exist in a lot of small businesses, but we are seeing those really ramp up in the corporate world. I think it's an exciting time for people to yeah, to kind of use some of their human qualities more in
0: the workplace. Brilliant. Very good recommendation. And finally, if you can leave us a business tip. Business tip. Uh,
1: to value yourself. I think... However much we love our businesses and we love our clients and the work that we do, time spent on it is time spent away from all the other wonderful things in life. So I think really knowing and believing the value that you bring to the world, and then charging for it, should be the number one priority for for all business owners. So, might, yeah, know your own value, charge for it, um, and we'll nick an advertising line from that and say, "Because you're worth it." <laughs> all oh. too often that people don't. So yeah,
0: please, please recognize your own value. That's that's really interesting because certainly that's one of the things that I find people do not price themselves correctly for their value is that you see an awful lot of people undercharging um, but compared to what they're worth. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Emma. That's been really, really helpful and I hope everybody's enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end.